Welcome to the one within all back to another episode of Interverse. And I'm really excited to be getting into this one. We have Joel Rafiti with us, who is a self work coach, self knowledge coach, I think is a better way of putting it. Uses a modality called terascopic astrology, which was developed by Michael Tessarion, a name that followers of this show are probably pretty familiar with. There's a variety of things on our agenda to talk about today, but there's also a lot more to Joel than just that one particular party trick. <laughs> He's a conscious hip hop artist with awesome music that I've been tuning into since we first got to talk on his pretty new podcast, Here for the Truth, which I was a guest on episode 15. His co-host is Eurasimos, and they really bring the heat <laughs> coming out of the gate strong. I know that I didn't have my worldview so well defined or not defined, more like unlimited at the time that I started doing a show. So I'm really excited to see where the next few years of podcasting will take them. But Joel's an awesome guy, always coming from the deepest self-knowledge maximum possible, which is it's all you, baby. <laughs> all itself is another way of putting it. And we're going to get into all these topics and more. Also, an hour or two, going to talk about what's going on in Australia. So tune into that on Rockfin and Patreon. But let's get this party started. Joel, what's up, my man? Hey, bro. Thanks for having me here, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I'll be honest with you. I feel pretty stark naked right now without my co-host, Eurasimos. Um, <laughs> um, every podcast I've done has been with him. Um, but man, it's, it's, it's really good to be here. And I'm excited to, to get into this with you. Right on, man. Yeah, I know how that is. When I first started the show, I had a co-host for a couple episodes and then he wasn't really invested in doing it. He was just kind of like trying to give me permission to do it. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, no, I got you. It actually he helped me funny. out, but then I just stopped yeah. inviting him because he didn't, he, it was, and it worked out. He wasn't even butthurt. It was cool. Oh, nice, man. Well, definitely, definitely works out. It's funny because there's a specific trauma in my life, which, which this reminds me of. There was a time about um, six or seven years ago, I was actually on a mainstream reality TV show here in Australia. And this was alongside when you may know it's really into my, my music career and writing music. And this was my deepest passion. And all I wanted to do was succeed in making music. I wanted to win the Grammys, wanted to do all of it. Then I was invited um, for an interview on the biggest radio station in Australia, um, like millions, millions of audience. And I buckled, man. This guy interviewed me and I just absolutely buckled. I didn't know what to say. didn't know where I was, didn't know who I was. And then I left that interview. I'm like, they're not going to fuck. I had this opportunity and I fucked it up. They're not going to air it. They're not going to play it. Then sure enough, that happened, right? So I think this is perfect. Me and you were meant to have this conversation for me to be dealing with that at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this is not going to be your last one, your last solo show. I think that not that the music is a back burner, I bet, but now that you're further developed into knowing who you are and why you're really doing things. I think that the confidence isn't really a question now. It's just about getting into the flow state. Once we tap into that, it's like we can forget we're recording anything. Also not yeah. millions of people. So maybe that does take some of the edge off. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, happy. I'm ready and ready to go. Let's do it. Yeah. I get that sometimes though, even on my own show, sometimes I'll be like, man, I'm nervous. Like I'm only yeah, talking dude. to people who already want to hear me talk to people, but my, my trick for the nerves is I just take this weighted tuning fork right here 
And when I'm not talking, if I'm feeling a little jittery, I'll just plan it. People probably see me doing it all the time. That's why I'm doing it. I'm trying to like wow. balance out my solar plexus, get centered in my chest a little more. And yep. it's a super good hack. And you can, it's really low frequency, so you can do it. And it's not even going to like hit the mic. So <laughs> yeah, now I've got to get into that, man. It's, I mean, censoring is half of this game, dude. You know what I mean? If you're not, if you're not censored, if you're not rooted and grounded in, in your body and who you are and in reality, then you know I mean you can't really come at the world from any, any sort of realistic perspective in, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, dude. Yeah. Love I like it. the word centroverted instead of introverted or extroverted. That's kind of been like a mantra word for me because That's it's really right. easy to pendulum swing for me between those two things. And I'm like, okay, when I catch myself just like, I don't know, treating people that I chat with online as uh, an outlet for attention or distraction, procrastination, all that. I go, okay, okay, pull back. But then also when I find myself just totally shutting out the world, try to get back in the middle there. But I want to talk about, I'm talking about myself too much. I want to talk about you. (laughs) I want to know more about this journey from Joel Rafiti, the aspiring hip hop Mm. artist to not just a hip hop artist, but being here for the truth, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, nah, I hear you, man. And uh, it's a good question. Um, all right. So I guess let's let's take it back. My my dad was born in Jerusalem, Palestine, right? He was exiled from his homeland in the 60s. Um, my mom was born in Lebanon, and I'm first generation Australian. Um, and in fact, I was actually raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, so growing up, there was this constant programming, this constant, I guess, brainwashing being bombarded into me that, you know what I mean? We're living in a, in a fallen realm and one day Armageddon's going to happen and it'll return to a paradise and everything's, you know what I mean? Not, nothing is perfect. Nothing is as it should be. That uh, um, Gnostic thing, that yeah. seeds of the world being fallen super, I, you know, what? I just interjected because I think it's well, pretty wild sure, to dude. be a Jehovah's witness uh, from Palestine. I feel like, mm. you know, you've already got a lot of swirling influences there. I'm close my mind from the jump. Yeah, definitely, man. And I mean, the, the initial thing as well that, that comes with that um, is like, like I, knew the, I knew that things were wrong immediately in terms of, you know, I mean, my dad's history and him being forcefully removed from his homeland, you know. So I already had that, that questioning already of, you know, I mean, fucking what is this kind of thing? And then. I guess their coping mechanism to an extent might have been, you mean, Jehovah's Witness and the religion of that. So I guess outsource some other being or entity or power to, you know what I mean, to deal with what it is that they were actually experiencing or actually meant to experience. So I feel like it could have been a trauma coping mechanism, that kind of transition. Um, But yeah, man, going on, I mean, I guess... I got into writing hip hop and writing music maybe when I was 14, 15 years old. Um, I wrote maybe a thousand songs, 2000 songs at at that age, just was writing songs nonstop, looking up beats on on the internet, writing these songs, recording them in my bedroom and nothing from that point on never really lit me up as much as when I'd write a dope song with dope rhymes and a dope beat and then hear myself back and like, wow, I just, you mean, I used my imagination. I took different elements from different places 
then created something with my own uniquity onto it. Um, and that's a, that's a great feeling, dude. It really is, you know, and that's for the longest time. That's all I wanted to do. And all I ever wanted to do was make that work and just do that for a living. Um, but I think along the way it became, I became too attached to wanting to convert that into my life's work that for a while there, I might've lost the real connection or essence as to why I'm doing this in the first place. You know what I mean? Or the, the bubbling essence that creativity is and where it comes from. Um, and then in 2015, um, my career wasn't going where I thought it was going to go. Um, I released my first album. I did a little tour. I had a lot of lots of different little successes, but things weren't blowing up the way that I personally expected expected them to. And so there was this dissonance created. At the same time, my first major relationship ended, and that was my first what I would call dark night of the soul, so to speak, quote unquote. And what I experienced at that time um, was. It was a profound shift in, in consciousness. So it was, it was a new perspective, a new consciousness. I lost all the all my angst against the world to an extent. Um, I lived in what I would what felt like bliss for the longest time. And I, I used to pinch myself every day and be like, I mean, what's going on? Why do I feel so good? You I mean is this feeling still here? Is this feeling gonna go away? Um, you mean I just I relished in doing little things like emptying the dishwasher or taking the rubbish out, like things which I just resented and hated. All of a sudden, I just wanted to be in the moment and, you know what I mean, and then do these things and just feel the energy of my body. And that kind of was my initial awakening. But that eventually transitioned into more of a new age, I guess, awakening because what comes with that and what came with it for me was the Eckhart Tolle's, the Ram Das, the Wayne Dyer's, I really got into the Tao Te Ching and the Bhagavad Gita at that point in time. And all I wanted to do was be, and it was a state of non-action for a, for a very long time, right? My, my philosophy became, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to exert myself in the world. I don't need any pressures whatsoever. You know what I mean? I'm cool. We're just meant to be, we're not meant to have any challenges, not many, any obstacles. And, um, and so that developed into a, into a form of bypassing, right? It eventually developed into a form of me not being willing to look at the what, what I'm actually creating, um, the seeds that I'm planting and the fires that are beginning to burn because I'm not willing to pay attention to where I'm at fault or to what I might not be doing or where I should be exerting myself in the world. Um, so in between that period, you mean, I got married, I had my first child, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you mean, I realized that I wasn't grounded at all. I wasn't centered at all. Um, I was very, very wishy-washy. I wasn't, I wasn't embodied in any sense of the word. I could barely critically think about anything, you know what I mean? Because another part of that process is that you, like, it inhibits your critical thinking, I think, as well, that that path in a way. And I'm, I'm not knocking the entire New Age movement. I'm not knocking all the different texts. It's just, I guess, how these things landed with me and then how I adopted these philosophies, then that's just how my my, my life played out, you know? Um, I'll just say a lot of the uh, yeah. a lot of the things that are passing for spiritual paths and not just this day and age, but times gone by are really just the 
philosophy fed to the slave class to keep them placated, you know? Exactly. And if you go all the way and you realize that, holy crap, I'm the center of this mandala and there's an entire fractal that reflects everything, not just inside me, but that I do, all of a sudden non-action is a different type of choice that is like uh, permission to the world to continue being out of balance in the ways that it is, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. Um, and, uh, and what I noticed, I noticed that as a microcosm in, in, in my own life, you know what I mean? I had all these webs, which were starting to build, which I refused to acknowledge and I refused to deal with. Um, and then uh, this is where my real shadow work began was when I looked at my life and I noticed all the things that I wasn't taking responsibility for that I was trying to blame everyone and everything else for the world. You mean my family, you mean everything then I just, I realized that this, this all has an equal resonance within me that I'm not actually dealing with. Things are the way they are externally to me because I've refused to take responsibility and I've refused to even acknowledge that I'm responsible for any part of what's playing out. I'm just letting everything be. I'm accepting everything. I'm resisting nothing. That's another thing, right? It's resist, resist nothing, but we need resistance. We need tension. We need discernment. We need, we need critical thinking. Um, and then, uh, yeah, man, that, that's, that's when the journey began. And I mean, I had health problems at this time as well. And I began to listen to my intuition. And my intuition said, you need to deal with these health problems first. And somehow within me, I knew that once I dealt with these health problems, then I'd be able to go deeper into my journey and start dealing with the other things, the, these other burning bushes that have, that have come up. And yeah, man, ever since then, it's been a journey of self-responsibility. It's been a journey of me really tuning in listening inwards, um, listening to what's coming up and recognizing and trusting what I need to address, you know, and no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, because that's, that's the problem as well. Right. It's like, fuck, it can't, you mean, I'm I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to take that step. I'm never going to have that difficult conversation. I'm never going to acknowledge that I lied, that I did all these different things. You know what I mean? Like that would, that would have been death to my former self, but then by listening to myself and then just, you mean, realizing that if I'm going to advance, this is the bridge that I have to cross, you know? And I started, started doing these things, no matter how hard the conversations were, I started getting my life into working order. I started building inner, inner alignment to equal outer alignment. And that's just been the path ever since, man. And it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful thing, you know, um, and more, more opportunities, more resonance, more conversations, more friends on the same path have, have been in abundance um, ever since that, that shift started taking place, you know. And this is the other thing, man, like these, these underworld cycles, you cannot bypass them. You can't bypass them. And, you know, I mean, so much of our malignant culture, society, new age movement, et cetera, is inclined to encouraging you to bypass these organic and inherent rites of passages that you have to experience to grow. You have to experience to come out the other side, to level up, you know, and this is the story of the tarot as well. You mean, those, those first those first cards of the major arcana, that's what it is. It's the hero's journey and it, it depicts the underworld cycle and it depicts us coming out the other side. And to have that process, you know what I mean, seen through, through these ancient lenses that are so inherent to us, this hero's journey, this oceanic experience that is undeniable at the base of all existence, 
Um, and that's, that's what I'm about now, man, tapping into that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Right on, right on. That's a hell of a pendulum swing to go from running around trying to make it as a hip hop personality to just chilling, completely relaxing, letting everything go by it, you know, be simplified to that old, that old saying that you got to get out of your comfort zone. (laughs) Definitely, man. The Joseph Campbell said it, the, I mean, the, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasures you seek and it's so potent and it's so true, but at the same time, like, you can't, you can't deny your past. You can't deny your history. You can't deny your experience. You have, you had to have go, had to go through everything. You had to have all of that. That's the kindling, which we have in order to, to burn into who we're meant to be, you know? Um, so yeah, you can, you can, you can deny your past. You can do that. You can take that philosophy and you can choose to ignore everything, but you're going to stay exactly where you are without looking at your past, without learning from your mistakes, without learning from experience, you're never going to move forward. And that's, that's what I see a lot of, you know, I mean, people are just waiting for a miracle, waiting for a savior, waiting for, you mean, they, they think they're so special that one day something's just going to come along and pick them up and move them and put them on this cloud and their life's going to be good from that point in time. But it's, it's not the case and it's, it's up to you and you, you, you are perfectly equipped. You just have to start sharpening the sword. You got to start flexing the muscle. You got to start doing something. and that's the path. Yeah. You, no matter how simple or personal the challenges might be. Mm. And even if it doesn't feel like something you're afraid to do, maybe something you feel like you can't let go of instead, or it's all about really at the end of the day, the, the aversion to taking deeper levels of responsibility, because we have such a plethora of ways to deflect that responsibility in an imaginary sense. It doesn't actually happen, yeah. but I was curious if throughout that entire cycle you kept making music or was there a hiatus there? And there's a big hiatus. Big hiatus. Yeah. I didn't make music between 2015 and 2019. Um, and then yeah, I released my first single in four or five years, which was Freedom, then Illusion in 2019, and then my first EP in five years in 2020. Um, so yeah, there was a big hiatus. I didn't want anything to do with it. I just didn't have that motivation. Um, I, you know, I didn't feel like asserting myself, my will, my, my creativity. Um, I just accepted that, you mean, I'm a nobody and I'm a nothing and I'm just floating in this, in this abyss and everything that's meant for me will come for me. And you mean, there's nothing that I have to do in the world. And that was, you mean, that's, that's where I was. And don't get me wrong, man. Like, I had some amazing experiences and I, you mean, that wasn't all, wasn't, wasn't all boo-boo whatsoever. Um, yeah. It had to happen it, the way it, it happens. Serves a purpose. Yeah. It serves a purpose until you realize, you mean, where, where, where the faults are as well. And it's not, it's not, you mean, it's not all action only all self-responsibility only. It's about having those experiences and looking inwards and finding that balance and continually finding what works for you on, on, on this journey. And that's the process, man. We're so unique to all of us. There's no one size fits all philosophy, man. You are, you are your own shaman. It's, and there's no one else can know for you. No one. Well, one thing I learned from Tessarion's work really drove it home was that any one size fits all philosophy is the death knell of the individual in the first place. And that's the big danger of these collective spiritual movements, whether it's new age or 
anything else is the getting swept up in the ocean as just a drop instead of really flipping that concept and realizing that you are the ocean just because you're in a single unit of perception here in one body that, yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can just skate through life and spiritually bypass and bliss out. But will yeah. you wind up on the same ride with the same, you know, ups and downs later on? Probably. Now I'm not like yeah. here to say you've got to do everything just right. And then you'll get out of some cycle of samsara and a different form of existence awaits you. I don't know that, but I do know that existence and life are really synonymous. And if there is to me, if there's any obvious answer to like, what is the meaning of life? It would be life is the meaning of life. Existence exists <laughs> perpetually, you know? So what is impeding the unfolding of life and the expansion of life and existence is what we could call the distortion or the evil. And even when we feel good and we're just like in a, in a type of happy zone because yeah. life we've made our life easy or we've decided just to not worry about or not think about the places where there's friction or avoid those places, we didn't actually change anything meaningful by, you know, looking away. Uh, and we're in fact, it's a form of uh, fear, even though you feel like you're doing something that's making you happy by sort of shutting out all potential for change or uh, imagining that the only thing that you have to do here is just be, that's not like incorrect, you know, it's, it's rooted in a true, something true deep down, you know, that feeling that there's nothing I need to do to be complete. I'm just happy all the time, but it's a, it's about like, how can you harness that into a flow state? You know, how does that, mm -hmm. how can you use that to create? Because if you're just here to exist on the land and, you know, eat, sleep and be jovial, that's great and all, but where do you differentiate from other forms of life on the dimension? Like you've got the ability to create, if you just give that up and yeah, we go through cycles. Like you said, you didn't make music for a while, but one thing I noticed is that part of what impedes the creative process or the flow state is the, the health thing. Like you figured out you needed to get your health worked on. And what happened after that is you were like inspired to make music again. So I have, yeah. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I've always thought that that's what makes creativity. If there was a universal spiritual path, definitely at least a big, like several rungs on that ladder <laughs> creativity is because you will hit plateaus creatively if you hit plateaus in your personal development and the improvement of your body temple, the cleaning up, the purification. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. As, as above, so below, as within, so without, you know what I mean? Without, without, without that vessel clear and clean, how can, how can creativity flow through you in its fullest expression and, and its fullest potential as, as, as it is unique to you, you know? And that really reminds me of, you mean? the whole Reikian concept of, of bioenergy as well. And, and, and the body as the shadow, you know, because we have these blocks, we, 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 the energy is not flowing and that's that, that's that creative expression. You I mean, we, we become stagnant when we, when we ignore the vessel and when we're not paying attention. Um, so that makes perfect sense to me, bro, for sure. Well, you want to get into a little bit of the divination work you are involved in for people. I'm actually really excited to talk to someone that knows about telescopes because it's on my, 
you know, long list of courses and things to do, but I've actually never talked to someone that was a practitioner for, you know, hire. I do have some friends that have looked into it or taught themselves through Sarion's Terrascope's website, like shout out to Ryan in our telegram group. He's always telling me Terrascopic (laughs) like breakdowns of my own birth date and like he's programmed uh he's coded or underway in coding a a uh, program to just type in someone's birth date and get like the whole forecast which is pretty cool simplify the process but i want to talk about it like what is terascopes like let's just start from the beginning and uh, explore this because astrology obviously has got a lot of people confused and (laughs) yeah it's definitely worth considering some revisions definitely man and i mean First and foremost, Michael, I hope you hope I do your system justice in whatever I'm about to say. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. So this is this is this is a trip, man, because I never saw myself as someone that would be into astrology as into tarot. Like think about it, I was raised as Jehovah's Witness. What's the second the commandment before thou shalt not murder is thou shalt not behold graven images, right? Like and that's that's proof of the target and the war being on, on symbolic literacy from the get-go, right? It's like fucking forget all the images. Um, well, I'll just throw in, you can interpret yeah. it a different way, which is to say, like, don't get lost in the artificial, you know, be rooted and grounded in the real. Because there is yeah. kind of like a, a parallel between Jehovah and Satan as the capital R real and the that which mm-hmm. is artificial. but the twist on that is both of those things came from imagination. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just yep. want to throw that out. Like it's a, it's, it's a hilarious thing that the desert sky God religions are against things like astrology when all it is, is the handiwork of the, the creative intelligence of reality in the sky clock. It's like, you know, it's your biggest tell that this isn't yep. just a material empty plane. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I mean, not, not to mention that all their allegories and metaphors are based on astrotheology in the first place. So like, that's a bit of a paradox there too. Um, yeah, man. So Slave religions, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, dude. That's right. Yeah, so um, in early, it was actually early this year, dude, um, I, was, I was working with a family business for a long time. Um, and this is what I thought I was going to do for my life. You mean, my family has a construction background. They work in construction. This was the path. You mean, it was like, I just kind of settled for, I was going to go on. Um, and then I kind of had a falling out and I had to walk away. There were circumstances where I had to walk away. I just finished getting my forklift driver's license, all this. So it's, it's a big trip, man, to go from that to astrology. And then I was, I was just sitting there and I'm like, what, what should I do? What can I do? What should I focus on? What can I learn? Like, these are questions I often ask myself out loud. Like, where am I being guided? Where am I being pointed? Just trying to open that communion, you know? And then that night I ended up watching Michael Tessarian's introduction to Tarascope's video. And this just freaking blew my mind. Were you already and into his work in some other way? I was, I was already into his work and into Unslaved. But all the time I was watching Unslaved and then he would bring up Tarot. I'm like, how can this guy be into tarot? I'm like, this doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, because I just, I never, I never knew the antiquity of the tarot, never had anything to do with it. I'm just like, how can this guy who's so, so onto it and so discerning from a psychological perspective and everything, then he's talking about a mystery school, he's talking about tarot. So like, I'm curious, but I'm like, I just, you mean, I didn't realize. And so I watched this video 
And thus, there's so many gates opened up for me. It's 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 ridiculous. Just the the connections. But what what really got me was just the ancient antique antiquity of this thing. You know, these images are tens of thousands of years old. They were not they were not drawn in the 1500s. They're not of Christian origin. Like this is these are ancient origins. Um, beyond belief man and just to preface this you can call it it's atavistic that's the word you know like that's a good word for what we're talking about here something that's primal to our it's like in our dna yeah definitely man and just to preface this i have no astrology background whatsoever i've never been into conventional astrology any astrology my introduction to astrology was terascopes right so this there's, there's nothing other that was you mean skewing my perspective when I when I came into it but because I was one of those people that was like oh astrology never makes sense astrology is just woo-woo you know but you mean I'm learning and I'm learning quickly that these ancient arts they, they this is the knowledge that actually roots us to the ground you know this is this is what roots us to the earth and Michael's system the terascopic system it just it makes sense it put thing it puts things in working order right the ancients, they didn't have all this extra paraphernalia. They didn't have compasses. They didn't have, you mean, these geometrical calculations and computations to work out angles and transits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The way they did astrology was on the night that a child was born, they looked up in the sky and they noted what constellation was there. And then the 12 houses and the 12 signs are in order from there. It's not a matter of anything else other than, there's, there's there's the fixed zodiac, right? And the way that those signs fall within our chart are in a fixed order also, but just depending on our, 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 our birth um, information. And uh, every single reading I've, I've ever performed, everyone I've ever looked at, like those, these correlations are there and it's obvious. And it just, it makes so much sense. And it continues to blow my mind when I, when I do these readings for people, how simple it is, but how, how on point it is. And the issue is that I find is that people, they've never really had authentic connection with astrology. Um, They haven't felt that connection. And without that connection, then we're not going to awaken that inner oracle, that divine oracle, that divine remembrance of who it is that we actually are, what, how we designed and what we came, what what we came to do. Um, Kind of got on a tangent here from where I started. Well, let's Um, go back to the start for just a little bit and talk about that idea before we go further into like the mechanics of the system, I'm really yeah. excited to talk about this, but yeah. yeah, you said the ancients didn't have the tech that we have. And although we can't exactly be sure what tech or capabilities, any far distant reaches of the past had accessible to them, mm-hmm. unless they had like computers the way we have, and, you know, many, many ways to generate a chart or look at the historical movement of the, planets to try to map things out. What I'm getting at here is that our mode of astrology, what what is normal astrology here? This isn't the knock on astrologers or people really in it, but it's just super left brained in the mechanics of it, right? There's all these calculations in the past. Maybe the calculations were doable, but it would have been somebody that was like a like this was all they did for their life. You know, <laughs> maybe you did have some experts out there that had an astrolabe or something that allowed them to track more specifically and they could get really down to the nitty gritty. But if I'm not mistaken, part of the beauty of Terascopes is it's way simpler 
and way easier to grasp in a between the left and right brain. So that instead of having to really activate that analytical side to try to crunch all the numbers and see how all the lines work between this and that, which not saying that doesn't have significance. I'm really not saying that that's insignificant. It's just that by going more to the middle here and simplifying, it brings the right brain into the conversation for intuition to activate more readily. Definitely, man. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. And the thing is like with this system, just with a a simple knowledge of the Zodiac of the tarot, I can do a 12 house reading off the top of my head for any, for pretty much anyone, you know, because I know, I know, I know how things fall. I know, um, I know the 12 cards of the tarot that correlates to the 12 signs of the Zodiac. And I'm able to see that card and use that imagery to perform what that house means for someone, what that sign means for someone in whatever house it falls in, you know, it's, and that, that, that's, that's how simple it really is. That's, you don't need anything else other than the very basic knowledge. Um, and the one thing this process did for me definitely was introduced me even deeper to the, these, those right brain aspects of, of my consciousness and, and of my imagination um, and developing symbolic literacy and that's we lived in such a we live in such a left-brained malignant society that's just so data driven and analytical that you know what I mean I feel like even if someone doesn't want to get into astrology and tarot, et cetera, for professional purposes, just having a basic understanding of the tarot can enhance your life in in a great, great way. Um yeah. And you know, sure. we're not it's not that the right brain doesn't have uh equal exist like part in the way society is now, but it's that we've almost as a culture tuned our right brain towards, I say the dark, but I don't mean like, (laughs) I guess towards the uh, destructive in a way, because what most people's right brain or their intuition is doing for them on a daily basis is telling them like, you suck. You're terrible. (laughs) This is why no one likes you. Like (laughs) this is what's going to go wrong. (laughs) And it doesn't, uh, I'm not saying the left brain has no part in that, but you know, we, the more we're on a, the more we're focused on the creative path and the more we're in a flow state, those two things. And, you know, looking at telescopes could definitely initiate a flow state, just like a conversation between two people like we're having can that is retrain. That's like repurposing right brain to be on a different task. In my opinion, like if I'm doing art on a regular basis, then my brain just throws ideas for art at me regularly. But if I haven't Mm -hmm. had a daily practice of drawing and doing art, it's like tough to come up with something. And so there's that sort of initial climb you have to make into the habituation of a creative flow. But then once you're there, you've like rewired right brain to be a helper instead of a hindrance. Absolutely, man. And I can, I can speak the same for me. If I'm, if I'm writing songs, if I'm in the zone of writing lyrics, then lyrics will constantly be thrown at me all the time. Um, but if I'm not in that, in that place, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to get that, you know? Um, so same thing with you, with you and art and me, me and writing music. It's the, it's the same process when it comes to the right brain. Certainly. Um, how do we, how do we jump back into, into Tarascos from here? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about, I mean, we've kind of hinted around the structure of this system, but yeah, kind okay, of, so, maybe you can yeah. give us a bit of um, description of, I mean, you don't have to get too personal, but maybe some elements of how your Terrascopic 
yeah, charge sure. informed your life and, and uh, you know, the way yep. that you work it out. Definitely, man. Um, and so I'll just, so one, one more important piece of the puzzle is that the four ancient arts of divination being astrology, numerology, Kabbalah, and tarot were all designed and invented tens of thousands of years ago to be utilized symbiotically together. And in society now, often we're using them individually and separately. And I personally believe that's a hindrance um, to tapping into what these divination arts are truly capable of because the connections between these arts are absolutely rampant and the work that Michael's done around building these connections is, is mind blowing because the numerology specifically is incredible. It's very, very fascinating. So numerology conventionally, we just take the three components of our date of birth, add them together, reduce them to a single digit um, to get our, our numerology, our primary numerology. However, what Michael's pointed out is that the ancient Egyptians actually charted 36 smaller constellations of 10 degree windows, as opposed to just the 12, 12 constellations of 30 degree windows. And these 36 constellations, they match with the 36 cards of the minor arcana of the tarot, right? So there's a specific card of the minor arcana of the tarot that's linked to the 10-day window that you were born in. And the number of that card is, in my view, your true numerological significator. And every time I've done this for anyone, it's it's it's, it's been on point, you know? So for me, in my process, when I started looking into terascopes and how it presents in terms of who I am, you know, um, this was the most mind-blowing thing thing ever because the first thing that I did was I decided to go find my personal significator, which is the specific card of the minor arcana that links to the 10-day period that I was born to. And I wish my tarot deck was in order here. I haven't ordered it. But my personal significator is the seven of cups, right? So I took the seven of cups. I went and I opened Michael's path of the full book and I read what the seven of cups means. And what it came up was with was imagination, poetry, creative writing, literary gifts. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like my, my entire life or what I, what I perceived as my strengths were laid out for me just so simply immediately. And I'm like, how is this even happening? How is this possible? And then you may look at the negative side of that card. And these, these are my primary shadows as well. You mean like you look at the seven of cups, it's, it's distraction, et cetera, et cetera. And immediately I was able to have uh, information that pointed me inwards to give me a, a framework just from one card as to what my strengths and weaknesses were and where I was meant to direct my energy. Um, so yeah, man, that was, that was crazy. I think that's amazing because you do have a really simplified way of getting like your life path, destiny number, but hmm. all that stuff. But I do also like personally, I resonate with adding the numbers of my date of birth together to get seven and what that's supposed to signify in the more like conventional new age journey. But it's also very limited. It's like, it's kind of like just getting your sun sign and yeah. When, with this system, yeah, you're combining these four things that were never meant to be compartmentalized. And if people want to see basically a magnum opus on the subject of Kabbalah, psychology, the tarot, astrology, 
numerology, the link between everything that we've been discussing here. It's called Path of the Fool by our buddy Michael Tessarion. It's on his Unslaved website. You got to pay for it, but like, and think That's about this. Too. How much do you pay for like a totally garbage university education that takes you years versus that'll never tell you about this dynamic of how self manifests into the, the realm. Instead, you know, you're paying 12 bucks, maybe 24 if it takes you two months to get through the series. And then if you can't afford to keep paying that paltry sum, sounds like I'm doing an ad for him. <laughs> I get nothing out of this advertisement other than like, I think it'd be good for you to learn this. Cause I'm, I've revisited that series a couple of times and I'm like, I'm like it's maybe a yeah. 5% confident that I've memorized everything about it. You know, it's super yeah. thorough, super well-produced. Check that out. Path of the fool on. Yeah. Me too, man. I've got so good. I recommend yeah, I've got, that I've got notes on every episode. Yeah. Yeah, I went through that series. I took notes on every episode and it just it blows my mind every single time. Like it's just how how he's able to break down each of these cards of the major arcana with you know what I mean? And just it, it blows it, it is there's nothing other than it's 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 mind blowing that series. So I concur to everything you said and definitely go watch that, you know. And it's just simple things, man, that prove these connections. Like you take the numbers one to twelve, which are the twelve houses right and you add them together one plus two plus three plus four and you get 72 cards of the you mean of the tarot and uh, it's there's there's so much more than that some of it is escaping me at the moment um but yeah i mean with 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 back to numerology with getting your life number what michael has concocted also is something called a personal life chart and this is based on your personal life number, which is the sums of your birth dates reduced to a single digit. Then you take that single digit, you recognize um, what's, what tarot card that corresponds to. Then you can create an astrological chart based on your numerology with that being in the first house, right? So for example, for you, what, what, is, your, what is your life path number? Seven seven so then you could create an astrological chart with the chariot being in your first house the chariot being cancer right so you could create a chart as a as a cancer rising and with that you mean the the cancer the domestic the the caring being as your ascendant and being as a core sense of your personality and your temperament that's interesting too because like um i'm wondering about the other aspects of, you know, your basic, not basic because it's complicated, but, you know, mm -hmm. your currently accepted way of casting somebody's chart and how the houses are divvied up. Yeah. It, what do you, what is going That's, on between terrascopes yeah. and like what's actually in the sky? You kind of touched on it. Yeah. Let's, let's get into, let's get into the astrology side of things more specifically. So um, in Michael's system, he, he accounts for the procession of the equinoxes, right? So according to the procession of the equinoxes, unless you were born in the final six days of your conventional house at the moment, then you're actually not a native of, of that house, okay? So for me, I'm November 22nd, so I, I am born in that final six-day windows of Scorpio, so I am a native Scorpio. But if I was born November... 15 november 14 november 13 then at the time i was born the constellation of scorpio actually would have been in in sagittarius um 
and I would build a chart based on a Sagittarius sun. And my rising sign is always what's opposing the sun. The rising sign is simply what the sun was pointing at, what the sun was illuminating where you were born. And that's what's opposite Sagittarius. So it would be Gemini rising. Um, so basically, it's kind of like a sidereal look. Yeah, but sidereal has, has different dates to how, to how this actually um, plan, plans out terascopically. If you look at the terascopic dates, it, it does differ from sidereal as well. Um, okay, so it's but, more rooted in sort of the actual seasons, and yeah. that's what the houses and the signs are pointing at. Is like, even though we have, the, I've had some interesting conversations about this. Like, why? Yeah. Why is there procession? What's up with that? Why are things off? Were they always? Was there always procession? <laughs> Did we have an equal like three hundred and sixty degrees of a year at one time? Is something? Yeah. Throwing us. And off this goes black? into the whole. This goes into the whole pole shift conversation you know what i mean and the wobble that was created and the procession is a result of this wobble right but was the wobble always the wobble i don't there's i don't know was there, was there an ancient yeah <laughs> the, there's a 23 enigma here for sure the 23 degrees of the supposed tilt the fact that your heart tilts and isn't perfectly yeah, centered right. in your chest like makes you wonder because so many of the other organ systems in your body kind of sit in more or less <laughs> a symmetrical way but you've got this heart thing that's tilted to the left. And as we've already described, we're kind of left oriented in terms of the, the way mm -hmm. that our brains are balanced. And there's this left-hand path idea. <laughs> left is sinister is the word in Latin for left. Just a fun little tidbit. Wow. Wow, man. I, that's insane, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think uh, Dextro is right. And sinister is left in in latin could be kind of wrong about that but yeah, yeah that's why the right hand is the one most people have dexterity with see what i mean the yes. left-handed people are the weirdos outcasts they're sinister yeah well it's, it's the, the the right brain manages the left side right so if you're left-handed then it's actually indicating that your right brain is more active and hence in most scenarios left-handed people i find to be more creative yeah, and those past empires of desert sky god religions really didn't want too much goddess energy or water in the mix. That's why their their uh, demiurges all told them stuff while they're in the hot desert. <laughs> yeah, no, no water, and then we see that what's going on in the realm right now. We're being told that everything's heating up, that it's global warming. We're all gonna fry. There's well, it's just a yeah desertification yeah. on the planet that seems very bizarre. You know. Uh, we've been talking about this on the show recently using Reich tech to bring water to deserts and Arizona has got the biggest rainfall of since at least since the 1800s, if not earlier this year and their monsoon season happening to coincide with our friend Mitch and people that have been working with him, putting out literally thousands of earth pipes and other Reichian devices around cell towers and other deadly organ radiation producing, you know, centers. So, I mean, you can't just say like, that's proof it's working, but I wonder what would happen if we just gifted organite that was correctly made to all of these uh, mm. geoengineering towers that are out there. Wow, man, that's, that's very, very interesting. Well done. That's I didn't do it. It's Mitch. Yeah. Mitch is the man. <laughs> you go guys Mitch. should have him on. Yeah, go Mitch. Wow. Yeah, man. Um, and 
it's this whole climate change narrative. It could it could very well be, you know, I mean, just a continuing continuation of solar cult theology, right? I mean, we're still we're still kind of living living through that, you know. And and you're right. I mean, the initial worship was goddess goddess worship. They worshipped the sky, okay, and the sky goddess. Her name was told it's T A U R T, right? And now we get three words today based on this word told it's, which is the sky goddess the womb, the ovum, which held everything. And those words are truth, church, and tarot. And even words like Terra, the earth itself, and Tiara, which is originally meant a crown, not really just for a princess, but it was what you called the anything that the sovereign wore. So all these things go back to like what rules here. It's the law. It's the Almost you could even say the body if we're attributing the body as a feminine aspect of our existence, because it is sort of the the womb for our consciousness while it's developing here. I kind of see the whole fractal as just like eggs within eggs within eggs, <laughs> toroidal yeah. fields like that. But yeah, I mean, that word is massive and it's right there in Terra, which is also an anagram for rotate, which gives you the whole idea of the sky clock once again. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Rota was, was, who was Rota? I think Rota was a, no, I can't, might have been a Isn't that goddess. the way that the, the letters are ordered on the wheel of oh, fortune yeah. card on the tarot? It's That's right. The wheel of fortune card. Yeah. R-O-T-A. Number 10. Yep. Number 10. Yeah. No, nah, you're right. X yeah, man, marks the spot. Yep. <laughs> And I mean, yeah, and then that's right. Where like, what was what was solar cult theology born from? It was born from you know, I mean, man's drive to then the fact that he couldn't be the primal creator, he couldn't birth, you know. So he pointed to the sun and said, "We're worshiping the sun now." And basically, everything is rooted in this in this primal idea now. You know, what I mean that of a man's need to to dominate. And in my opinion, this is now why we have such a a left inclined society continually it's because of this this march against the goddess which still carries on to this day you know yeah i've been really trying to work out the dynamics of this because i know it's got to be (laughs) two-sided that's the whole thing it's not like yeah yeah it's not like it's not like the goddess is innocent either is basically what i mean the all like the archetypes have have just been corrupted in general and that's why i think getting to a a more pure version of archetypal conversation and symbolic literacy is a big time cure because most people's archetypes are polluted by Disney slash Marvel productions Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And anyway, like goddess cults though, they had all kinds of problems back in the day too. You had dudes chopping off their junk and carrying it around, running around the street, bleeding all in the name of (laughs) the goddess cult. There's, hunter huntress goddesses that required mountains of animal and sometimes human sacrifices at least in their rights but is that really the goddess or is this uh more of like the uh you know the trail of the illuminati throughout ancient history to now which is to get human beings to basically invert their their spiritual light and uh Mm. (laughs) live off of artificial ideas and let that vampiric energy that emotional plague permeate society from the bottom up in order to bring about a larger energy harvesting system and i you know i don't mean this in like an arconic way i just it's as simple as it's as simple as when you research the biofield and energy vampirism at the same time and realize that there is some 
almost alien energy infecting our electricity that is it's like um it's a different kind of darkness you know it's almost yeah, like it's art, artificial darkness we look at the photographs of people's aura who are energy vampires or have had energy vampire attacks there are these the background of the curly photography will be black but then there'll be these tendrils that are blacker than the black background it's really bizarre wow yeah so and then that's um, a a yin uh concept the black so both sides, yeah. I think you've got that luciferic artificial light of the masculine, but then you have that deeply corrupted and corrosive fallen feminine energy. And we need to get into a more holistic conversation with the archetypes, I think, to start to work these things out and get into, you know, back to serving serving the, the whole of ourself, not becoming a servant in an altruistic sense to the world at our own expense, which is what really the sort of fallen feminine energy is, in my opinion, asking for like that, just compliance, passivity, uh, sacrifice yourself for everybody. Your, your cooties, uh, your Kool-Aid doesn't work unless my Kool-Aid doesn't work unless you drink your Kool-Aid, <laughs> that type yeah, of man. thing. <laughs> but okay. Definitely. So I, I'm, I'm rambling here and we need to, we need to address a couple things while we're still in the first hour. And if it takes a little more than the next five or seven minutes, that's okay. We can run over a second or two, not to rush you, but I want to talk about, first of all, your work with other people as a terroscopic practitioner, maybe mm -hmm. some examples of how someone working with you can be helped. I know you've got some great testimonials listed on your website, so I can see you've already been doing great things, but I want to talk about that. And then, Let's get a little bit in, at least a little bit in about your music and where that's gone. Cause I've listened to your newest releases and I even played one on a few shows back and it's really good stuff. And I want people to be able to access both sides of you if they're interested in, in both. Thanks man. Yeah, for sure. So my, my purpose as a, as a, as a practitioner, as in, 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 in the terroscopic system is simply to reconnect you with your living oracle with your inner oracle so use these arts use this divination to just awaken that voice so then you can you can continue on your own you don't actually need anyone you know but the moment that we use these arts to come back to remembrance of our own unique uniquity that we came here with such a unique divine blueprint and purpose that is unlike anyone else to me that's the most empowering shit that you'll ever, ever discover because we spend our entire life just in these cookie cutter boxes trying to copy and emulate everyone else and do things the way other people are doing them and look to him and her to figure out our path, you know. But once we realize that we have our own unique way of expressing ourselves, our own unique energy to, you mean, to give and to respond, how we should structure our life, you mean how we're meant to be in, in relationship, what, what's in our 12th house and looking at what our shadow is, what our fears are, what our karma is and resolving that um, and just discovering how we're meant to show up every single day. Like uh, let me talk from my personal experience before tarot, you mean I just identified as a Scorpio. Then I realized that my true rising sign was Taurus. I don't know, it's Taurus ascendant, you know, and this, this had so many confirmations for me because my life started to change, as I mentioned earlier, when I started to ground, when I started to do the shadow work, when I started to come down to earth, 
And this is what this is what Taurus is. Hygiene, right? energy hygiene. <laughs> yeah, Related man. Related to exactly. that Venus Taurus energy, big time. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. And I'm someone that needs a lot of structure in my life. You know what I mean? I have to have things structured for me to then fill those boxes with my creativity. But I need the framework there. Otherwise, I don't consider myself to be moving forward. And I see myself all over the place. And Taurus is my rising sign. It's my ascendant. And so this is the means that I, which I bring to my life every single day. And Scorpio is where my sun is. You know what I mean? And the sun in terascopic terms is my destiny. And that's what I'm moving towards. And Scorpio is that deeper psychological insight, that mystery, et cetera, et cetera. And this is what I feel unlocking and awakening within myself. But the way that I get there is using my Taurus ascendant. It's using that means of having earthly experiences, of being structured, structured, of etching away bit by bit. And I've never, I've never seen more progression in my life than once I started embodying these, these ideas and this into my life. And this is what I offer to all my clients is just giving them that simple framework that is a reflection of who they are. And it offers them a framework of how they can move forward. And once they start implementing these and actually jumping into the experiments, because that's what, that's what, that's what this is, right? Most of the time it's, we have to have the experiential um, input of, 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 of these divination arts. Once we have a reading or whatnot, if we're not putting them into practice, we're never going to figure anything out. Um, so yeah, they, they have this remembrance through the terascopic chart and then they can go forward as a Pisces rising, as an Aries rising, as a Taurus rising, as a whatever, and they can try it out. Um, and more than often, the feedback I'm getting is that, you mean, they're, they're far more focused. They're far more structured. They have much greater clarity as to who they are and where they're going. And they're, they're, they're less distracted. And that's, that's the gift that I want to give everyone is, you mean, a pointer back to yourself because you're unlike anyone else. Yeah, I just wonder where Michael dug this up or came up with it. <laughs> that guy's an enigma wrapped in a mystery. With uh, I want to know his. Do you know? Do you know his birthday? I don't know. No, his he he will never tell you. Huh? <laughs> he plays all that stuff close to the chest. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't even his real name. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do totally love that guy though. Uh, oh great, yeah, great guy off the air. Total total chum. We have fun. So let's awesome. uh, let people know about your, your new music before we let them let those free listeners go. And man, sure, there man. was so much I want to talk about, about your last monologue, but we got to play this clock game. Oh, good dude. Um, <laughs> have another conversation anytime you want, bro. Definitely. Um, yeah, man. I want to come back so- on your show. I had a lot of fun. Oh, there. you will. Oh, dude, no, you'll, you'll come on our show more than you've been unslaved. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to do, man. I think I'm the number one most appeared guest on Unslaved. I could be wrong. You're, you're of, probably right. If you're you count the right. one they took down. Yes. Never would well, have told, I, you could have never convinced me that would happen. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, your ass must have been on there three times now. So he reckons he's like fifth or sixth on the list. But he thinks you're number <laughs> one as well. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's because I make PowerPoints. That's so why it helps. Yeah. It's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, dude. My, my latest releases was an EP called Paradigm Shift, which I dropped in 2020. And the single after that, which was Just Asking, which is probably the most, the deepest song I've ever written, which is strictly about the impact of vaccination on, you know what I mean, on kids and, and the childhood schedule around vaccination and why parents are being shunned for simply asking the simple questions, you know? And 
I actually had the opportunity to perform this song at the Sydney Freedom Rally in July to 10 to 15,000 people. And that was my greatest music moment ever. Um, having the entire crowd call back just asking that was, that was next level, man. Um, I have my first release in nearly two years coming out September 9 in a couple of weeks. It's called meditate. Um, I collabed on that one with a producer from Texas called Chow Boo. I'm really excited to drop that. Then I got another single coming out. Um, the, the, the month after that, which is a darker, more intense and really hits on some of the circumstances that we're all experiencing right now. Um, so yeah, man, my music's everywhere. Spotify, Apple music, YouTube, wherever people can go, can go check that out. Awesome. I hope they do. And I'll definitely play, uh, let you pick the song, but we'll play out the end of the show after the second hour or about, you know, after my outro, if you're listening to the free version and you guys can hear for yourself, but Joel, it's been really good. I think that we're going to get into an hour two, some of the things going on. Why you even have to go to rallies like that? By yeah. the way, that does sound really epic. <laughs> it was epic. Uh, sounds really epic. Almost makes all this craziness worth it to get up there and be yourself so fearlessly. But the uh, other things on my mind would be terascopic related questions that are still hanging out. So I think we'll cover both of those and who knows what else. You guys know the drill. It's on Rockfin or my Patreon. You can find that in the show notes. Also, do not sleep on Here for the Truth podcast. There's already incredible stuff going on. How many of you guys got? 20? 20 plus? Yeah, man, we're 20, 21 episodes. We're doing two episodes a week now. Um, and yeah, dude, just... You guys came that. out the gate already almost to two episodes a week and jumped into that quick. And uh, so I'm doing it too now. I'm doing two a week now. Oh, I started a new sideshow, everybody. It's called Vibe Rant. And it's more like I'm trying to make people laugh more so that I can laugh more. So maybe that'll be part of it. But anything goes on that show. It'll just be a little less structured than the main show. But inspired by you and some other people that do two a week, I'm like, got to step my game up. I got so many people I want to bring to uh, a larger audience, including the great Telegram community. And I'm bringing up Telegram also to let people know, check the show links for Joel's Telegram where he drops huge <laughs> truth bombs and <laughs> link you to the new here for the truth shows. And yeah. Okay. So let's move over to hour two, Joel. I appreciate you for being here and everybody check out all the stuff he's up to this guy. If you didn't already realize it from this hour of conversation, he's a real deal. Really, really grateful to be uh, getting to talk to you, man. Thanks. Likewise, bro. Thank you, man. hear it for joel you guys really stoked on that guy like i am i definitely am i'm really happy to be friends with somebody that's got such strong flow state activating powers 
that chat was really perfect for what I want Interverse to really be like. I know that 2020, 2021, the conspirituality thing is becoming all the more necessary. Not that I was against talking conspiracy before, but when we can get down with like a real artist who has creativity as a focal point for their life and also talk about the tyranny and what to do about it and how to become more sovereign. That's the perfect blend. So thank you, Joel. And I hope everybody out there could take a moment to just shower some like astral energy of appreciation to wherever he's at in the time space continuum. Maybe he'll feel it. Maybe he'll feel a lot of them randomly and just be like, what's going on? Why is today? So why do I feel so good today? I hope so. <laughs> But I've got a lot of stuff to talk about in the outro here. So I'm going to try to get through it without taking up too much time. Let's see. A lot of it's announcements. So I guess I'll just kind of run through my list. First of all, I started a new show. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to go on the RSS. I guess maybe I'll post it to the RSS feeds. We'll just say the, the new show had episode zero. I titled it episode one, but maybe it's episode zero. I don't know. <laughs> What am I talking about? It's called Vibe Rant. And if you say that out loud, you might catch the play on words that I was going for there. And what's it about? Well, it's going to be on the Interverse channel on YouTube and Rockfin, and I'll post it up to Patreon as well. Right now, I think it's going to go everywhere. Very likely that it might just be a Rockfin Patreon only show at some point. But I don't know. I'm still working it out. And the whole point of it is so that I can have a place for really free format conversations with community interaction. I'm envisioning like call-ins to this show, a lot of them, maybe even sometimes opening the Telegram voice channel on our Telegram group and feeding that into the live stream so that we can all converse that way. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. It's a new way to do it. But there's just so many brilliant people that are in the community for Interverse that I want to hear their opinion. Or I want to talk about some random topic. Maybe some of the vibrants I'll actually do solo uh, and still take Collins. I don't know. Still working it out. But the whole the goal really is to have fun, actually. I mean, it'll also be interesting probably most of the time. But maybe sometimes I'll just be goofy. I don't know. Just looking for <laughs> trying to free my mind from the format constraints that I've created with the main podcast. Not that I dislike it actually really like having kind of a game plan and a, a way of doing it. That's the same every time consistency, but I also want to do more. And I'm inspired by friends like Lindsay at Rogueways. She has another show called middle path and she does two episodes of Rogueways a week. So she's actually doing three a week. I don't know if I'll go there. <laughs> that's a lot, but definitely looking to shake things up with the vibrant. So if you guys are part of the telegram group, Look, uh, look out for those and call in, hang out with us. If you aren't part of the Telegram group, you can find the link in the show notes or from my website on the chat link. And there's that. The first episode of it, we talked to my good buddy Jazz, the wire rapper. And Jazz is a real oddball in the best way. We riffed about some imaginative ideas that he had and had a lot of fun with it. And I thought maybe even discovered some psychological archetypes or universal dynamics through just riffing like that. So that was cool. He was on his way to go to a festival that I'm not going to, but every year before 
I've gone to. And so anyway, he had a long drive to get there. And I was like, come grab some couch. And we used that opportunity to launch the new show that I've been thinking of for a while. And it's interesting because uh, I'm actually not going to this festival that he's going to because they are so ridiculous about the cootie stuff. It's not an email that was like, you've got, I might not have gone anyway, because I'm kind of enjoying working on Interverse a lot. But anyway, you show up at the gate to this festival, according to the email they sent, and you've got to show your papers, show that you got your cooties test recently, or you have your cooties, you know, (laughs) what do you call it? Papers, please. That's what the Nazis would say, right? So I'm dealing with that in an emotional way, I guess, because like, uh, hundreds of my friends are going to be at that event. And I'm just not in for that. I'm just not in for the, the major selling out. And I don't care if a big event has to sell out because they got to please like their headlining acts or whatever. When was music ever supposed to be about like a monarchy of the nobility of music and they're the big names. And so we do whatever their agents say that must be done in order for PR to be maintained. You know what I mean? I've been to a couple of events this year. They were more on like the healing arts retreat blend with festivals and there's with workshops and that's where it's at. I don't care if it's not that big. I'm fine with that. Actually, it's weird when you get into a crowd of human beings more than a few thousand anyway. I don't know what the exact number is, but there's like this swarm mentality that takes over. I swear, like, for example, maybe it's like 2,999 people together. Everything's fine. Everybody watches out for each other. 3,000 people, someone's going to die. <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh about that, I guess, but I've seen it. It's very weird. There's like a point where humanity kind of gets sacrificed by the swarm or to the swarm. I don't know. What else do I want to talk about? Well, yeah, there's a plus extension to this episode. I should have probably led with that. If you're new to the show, you came from Joel's page. Maybe you're a fan of Here for the Truth podcast, which is sweet. I do a premium thing, kind of like they do, where on Patreon or Rockfin, you can get the second hour of the show. $5 for the Patreon access, $10 for Rockfin. But Rockfin gets you the entire network of creators on there and all of their primo content. And in the second hour this time, we definitely talked about the tyranny going on in Australia. We looked at uh, we looked more at questions of sovereignty. We talked more about Joel's music. I don't know. I don't want to like give it all away. I promise it was good. We just built on the concepts of before. Definitely got into some deeper chats about the tarot, for example. So there's some of the things that are in it, but check the show notes, the links for that. Rockfin.com, patreon.com, either one forward slash interverse after the domain. And you're there. Links are everywhere that you see anything of mine, I'm always putting the links out there. So help me help you. The more of you people that are supporting me financially, the more of this I can do and the better I can get at it. And the less other stuff I have to do that distracts me from being a healthier and happier human being to translate that into the good vibes that hopefully you receive from listening to the podcast, which that is priority one, good vibes. So if you're not, if you haven't received the good vibes yet, Now's a good moment to just be like receiving vibes and just like, you know, really get into your chest, (laughs) feel it in the chest, popping out there. What am I talking about? 
So uh, speaking of energy work, energy healing, because that's kind of what the good vibes reception is. I figured out something kind of cool. I was, there's like a whole chain. Like, like, how do I go through this? Okay. Let me try to segue these things all together and weave the ideas together. First of all, I was learning about how the dopamine reward pathway in your brain actually connects to the pain pathways of the brain. And the brain actually tries to like maintain homeostasis, right? So the more dopamine you're getting, the more there's like a pain factor that creeps in to try to balance out everything and bring you back to Zen. But it doesn't really work that way. If you're blowing out your dopamine, you just kind of get more achy and sore and in pain. And anyway, I started looking at this and was like, Hmm, actually can definitely identify with how that works. I kind of had like a tech usage, heavy day, maybe a little too much sugar, things of that nature, perhaps overloaded myself with the dopamine aspects of life yesterday. And today I did have some pain in like a lower back region. And one of the cool things you can do to help reset, you know, maybe aside from self-inflicted pain, (laughs) although working out would be an example of that that's highly positive, is just spend some time not connected to things that reward you with artificial dopamine. Not that you can't do things that are pleasing, but like maybe it'd be best for us to, this is what I'm thinking. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but best to get back into things that, to start taking the joy from things that are a little less extreme in terms of, you know, the addictive rush that it might bring or like the maniacal patterns of repetition, you know, scroll, 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 that type of thing. For me, what's been is going on walks barefoot in the park. I've been doing that for a long time. I got really strong feet, which is cool. But I also typically take my phone with me and I've got like a podcast or music playing and I might be chatting with people on Telegram, getting real active there. And it definitely takes you out of the moment. Probably doesn't defeat all the benefits of grounding, but I've noticed that I'm way happier if I just... leave it all behind and go empty pockets or just the keys and and the dog's toy to throw. And that's a big part of freeing your mind. I think is to give your mind free time. That's huge. So I recommend that. And while I would, here's why it's important. While I was giving my mind free time on this walk today, I noticed this lower back pain that I had kind of been, it was like stiffness and pain, you know, it's a posture thing, I think overall, but maybe this dopamine pain receptor linkage that works in the brain. This is bro science, by the way, look it up. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe that factored into why the posture problems of me being on a computer all day, then developed into more pain. Like these things are all one holistic feedback loop, right? So what happened while I was walking with my mind more free, I all of a sudden had this visualization of these glowing sort of angelly disembodied hands that were right hovering over the part of my back that hurt and doing Reiki on it. And I was like, Whoa, is this angel Reiki? <laughs> or is it like one of my spirit guides giving me Reiki or is it just me giving me Reiki? Or is that all the same thing? Uh, who cares? What matters is that this is probably something you can try, like visualize receiving Reiki in a place that's painful and try to feel it. And I swear that 
the pain doled down quite a bit and I felt the area warm up, but not in like an uncomfortable way. So maybe try it. I don't know. Just thought you might like that idea. Pro tips for free. <laughs> so, okay. We've got to get into a couple more announcements. Not a lot left. The really cool thing is that I was just on the YouTube channel of Clive DeCarl. And Clive DeCarl, you may know of him. Maybe, maybe not. If you follow some of the same shows I do, which I think is likely, you probably have heard of him before. But Clive is a health guy, health nut, health guru. Don't know what you want to call him. Health genius. And he's got an awesome online store with many, many products that you don't see elsewhere. Definitely not FDA approved, I bet. <laughs> and people say good things about him. I mean, he knows his stuff when you listen to him on interviews. And I'm happy to say that not only did I get to go on his YouTube channel, which you can find, Clive DeCarl, Clive, and then D-E, and then Carl with an E at the end. Look that up on YouTube. You'll see we talk about tuning forks. We talk about mud floods and ancient civilizations and psychedelic adventures and the whole nine. It was like two hours of fun, fun time. So you can hit that up on YouTube. It was super good. And also, oh yeah, I was on Weaving Spiders Welcome again. Just follow that YouTube channel, guys. I'm honestly like going to try to, apparently they just do things like this where you kind of got, you got an open invitation once you're a spider. I'm in for the, I'm in for this. Those guys are awesome. I want to do more. So Weaving Spiders Welcome on YouTube, episode 45, I was on there, episode 41, made a brief appearance on 42. They're always lit. So Check them out and uh, keep an eye on their channel. And you might be able to participate in some live streams that I'm hopping into as well as a co-spider, co-conspirator, co-conspirator, co-weaver. I don't know. But back to the Clive DeCarl thing. I actually have an affiliate link to his shop now, which is awesome. You're going to start seeing that show up in the show notes for every episode with a link. And also it'll be linked on my website under the shop tab, along with the secret energy affiliate program. and my meager merch shop that I need to work on expanding. If somebody was interested in getting merch from me, I could probably do more, like maybe get some coffee mugs, like Joel's badass here for the truth coffee mugs. That'd be cool. Yeah, I definitely need to do that. So basically it costs you nothing extra to use either of those affiliate links. You can get some really awesome supplements to try out. And I hope you do and let me know what they're like. I'm going to be trying different things from a shop as well. He told me he's sending me a care package, so I think I'll get to experiment with a few things. I hope he sent the metasomer. Because I actually thought that that was spelled metasoma, like, but it was a British accent making the A at the end sound like somer, but it's actually metasomer. So go figure. Funny how accents do that. And there it is. I think that's everything. Check out Vibrant, the new show, new episode. That's going to be happening Wednesday nights at, uh, so it's probably going to change, maybe not, but right now my plan is to stream those Wednesday nights at like 8 or 9 p.m. Just turn the bell on on my YouTube channel or something like that. Follow in Telegram. You'll always get the updates there. I'm telling you, get out of Fedbook and Zuckergram. I mean, if you need to dip in there and do some communicating, I get it. I do too, but it's way cooler to spend your time in dope Telegram chat groups. There's like some mega fam in there. Shout out to the telefam. 
And that's it. We hit it all. Vibrant. So doing Reiki on yourself with imaginary hands, dopamine, pain receptor correlation. Look into that. I want to learn more about it. Uh, the Clive interview and the affiliate link. That's all the stuff. And of course, one more reminder, sign up for Interverse Plus. Get the extended episodes, two hours each time. It's awesome. And on Rockfin, by the way, you don't have the full archives the way Patreon does because I started Rockfin way later in the game, but I have been adding stuff to it. And for people that like don't want to use Rockfin because they don't want to have to do a video every time, going forward, and I've already updated all the 2021 shows for this, going forward, I'll upload a MP3 version, audio only, of all the shows to Rockfin too. Because Patreon gets the videos and the audio, so I guess it's only fair I do it both ways on both. And so if you want to find that, go to the Rockfin page for Interverse and look on the Stacks tab, which is like a playlist. They just call it Stacks. And you can find the MP3 audio version of shows there. They're even in order, which, by the way, isn't that easy to do with the uh, content management system on Rockfin. And I got to go. I've been talking for a minute. I need to make some dinner. Don't forget to follow Joel and Here for the Truth podcast, wherever you follow people and things. The dude's awesome. You can check out his music on Spotify, SoundCloud. Highly recommend you do. I'm going to play us out with Paradigm Shift, from the title track from his newest full release of multiple songs. And I hope you stick around to tune into that. The dude is legendary. All right. <laughs> I'll catch you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. Love you all. Bye-bye. It's the Paradigm Shifter. Radical change in everything that you think. You see, they want you asleep, and so you better not blink. My middle eye wings connect the links. It's the paradigm shift. Be aware, my bros, what you expose to your soul. Not all is as it seems, not all that shines is gold. It's the paradigm shift. Welcome to the paradigm shift. And dance around the answers like doctors and cancers in exchange for your health on my profit i'll enhance it i'll fill my pocket when i sell you a stick and you just keep on getting sick almost exactly like i planned it <laughs> nah man i'm just politicking i'm a human being i'm i'm not a clinton i plan on hanging around like jeffrey in his sentence so i question my thoughts i get quiet and repent them you see that's called self-awareness If I sense something wrong, I'll examine it with fairness I'll use discernment with every choice that I make I won't follow the herd I'm not a sheep nor a snake I'm not asleep nor awake But I'll still make mistakes I'll adjust and I'll change I'll move and rearrange I'll learn and I'll exchange For we are sentient beings And that's just how we're made It's the paradigm shifter Radical change in everything that you think You see they want you asleep And so you better not blink Connect the links, it's the paradigm shift Be aware, my bros, what you expose to your soul Not all is as it seems, not all that shines is gold It's the paradigm shift Welcome to the paradigm shift Up is down and down is up Inverted ideology designed to disrupt To confuse and interrupt Set in place by the corrupt By those who lurk in shadows and distract with cover-ups the ones who cling to power are so thirsty to devour To consume and to deflower On the rancid and the sour Rinse or planted on your brows A disenchanted chance encounter Kids go missing every hour 5G weapon on your router Something rotten in the system Common in the victim Spirituality, wisdom A moral existence Lisa Nipsey Sebi Prince of Machiavelli Evidence be getting heavy Evidence be getting buried There's a war on you That you can transmute So choose what you consume And take time to reboot We all come from mother's womb So now 
never do confuse Human being for costume, injected for immune It's the paradigm shifter Radical change in everything that you think You see they want you asleep and so you better not blink My middle eye wings connect the links It's the paradigm shift Be aware my bros, what you expose to your soul Not all is as it seems, not all that shines is gold It's the paradigm shift to the paradigm shift I just wanna know how deep you wanna go like Alice down a hole or a palace full of stolen gold like no weapons in Iraq or MK Ultra after dark I just wanna know how deep you wanna go like a pipeline in Libya Mockingbird criteria Bohemian Grove and population control I just wanna know 